I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of It's Time to Rewind, a podcast stuck in its own time loop right along with the movies we discuss. In this season, we're taking a look at Groundhog Day, after day, after day, after day, after day. I'm your host, Bubba Weed, from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and in this episode, we're discussing Phil's seventh Groundhog Day. It starts at 43 minutes and 18 seconds, with Phil giving his Groundhog's Day report with a slight Clint Eastwood homage before having a conversation with Rita like more normal people talk, and ends at 46 minutes and 38 seconds, with Phil remembering that Rita is going to order sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. Today, my guest is Sean, host of Next Scene Podcast and co-host of Groundhog Minute. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Sure, it's great to have you on. Uh, when doing my research for this podcast, you know, aside from various Google searches, the bulk of my Groundhog Day research, besides watching the movie as well, was just <laughs> binging through Groundhog Minutes and just, you know, stealing all the research that, that you and Dave did. All right, great. Well, glad to be of service. <laughs> um, but, you know, in, in terms of this iteration of the loop here in Groundhog Day, the first thing that I do have to ask you is, does Phil feel lucky? Well, does he, punk? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the question you have to ask yourself. I don't know if he, um, if he does feel lucky at this point. This really ties into yesterday's loop where Phil was dressed in a Clint Eastwood homage. Mm -hmm. and yeah, the, the, the Phil with no name. Named Bronco. Or Bronco. I don't know. This Is this really how normal people talk? Yeah, see, I... I, I no? I don't know. See, I'm, I'm really bad at at small talk, maybe even worse than, than Phil Connors is. So I'm not quite sure how you, um, you know, kind of how you chat up even coworkers, even, you know, forget a stranger, forget you know, <laughs> talking to strangers. Yeah. I, I, my, my coworkers will tell you it takes a good three or four years before I, uh, before we, I start talking about anything other than, than work itself, you know, to, to kind of loosen up and, and reach this point. Maybe Phil has been through, you know, three or four years. So maybe he is, you know, feeling lucky. He's getting more relaxed. So, you know, at this point, we haven't been through. Um, I assume, like, are we assuming all the listeners have, have seen the movie through? Are we okay with spoilers? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So, I mean, we we're, we don't get, we're not in the, the, you know, the death spiral, the depression that, that Phil hits at, at some point. We've been through, um, you know, we, we've seen a little bit of his love life or his dating life here in, in Punxsutawney. So maybe he is feeling lucky because one particular thing, and, and when you kind of announced the, the show and I was very excited um, because I, I love this movie and I, I enjoyed watching it and I enjoyed talking about it. So I was excited, you know, in that regards. And then you said, okay, kind of give me choice, you know, do you have your preference? What, you know, what kind of minutes you want to talk about? And I thought this was a, a good point because it's, it's interesting 
like this is different because we we see Phil with Rita. We didn't really get much that that second date. We just say you know see him in the getup and they're going to see Heidi too. But mm-hmm. Rita's different than all the other women in Punxsutawney. That Rita knew him before. She knows him from. I mean they they just met last night or or yesterday. I guess yesterday morning. You know they just met, but she does know him at least a little bit from outside the loop. Yeah, he, he doesn't, he's not starting at zero. He's starting at like negative five. Yeah. <laughs> so he's, he's already behind the ball. So it's, it's a little bit different. He's got to kind of change up, you know, his approach on how he's gonna, uh, get to know her and, and ultimately attempt to seduce her. Um, so maybe he is, maybe he feels like all those other women were like practice. And he feels like, okay, I've got my game on. Maybe he's cut down the number of loops. Like maybe it took like it took 15 loops to really get Nancy to come up to his room. And then, you know, the next one, it was only 12 and 10. And maybe he's got it down where like, you know, he, he, he manages to gather all the data he needs that first time. And like the second loop, the second day is when he can kind of reliably get a woman up to his room. And he's figured, wow, if I can, you know, if I can do that with these women that don't know me at all. Maybe I can work my charms. Yeah, I think that's, that makes sense. That's why he's probably why he's asking this barrage of questions. Like he's, you know, a five-year-old in in the why stage. Again, going back to what I said about, you know, I'm kind of not good at small talk. Cause like this kind of works both ways. On the one hand, we kind of saw the way he worked Nancy and we can kind of see like, He's, you know, he can't pretend they went to school together, but he's kind of fishing for things that he can use later. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, this is kind of good. I mean, that isn't that way you're like to get to know someone. You don't talk about yourself. You're supposed to be interested in them and ask a lot of questions and like open up open ended questions, not yes or no kind of stuff. But, um, you know, not do you like fudge, not stuff like that, <laughs> but. You know, these opened up, up things, you know, what do you want out of life? Kind of open-ended questions that allow the person to show their personality. And really, I mean, that's such an open-ended question. You can really talk about almost anything, you know, after that. I mean, it kind of follows it up with, are you seeing anyone? And that's that's a little more specific in terms of what kind of follow-up. But, yeah, to just say, you know, what do you want out of life? What do you like? What are you looking for? Who's your perfect guy? And I, and I think that the dates, you know, over these next few, few repetitions, it does kind of ebb and flow between questions and things where he's actually getting to know Rita and also going back to just fishing for what's going to make Rita like him. Yeah. Well, and I, and I wonder like, so there's, there's, there's two things going on, I think, at least two. One is obviously, He's trying to seduce her. He's trying to gather information that he can kind of use in a, in a future loop. I also think he's kind of bored. Like he generally does want to make conversation. And even though, you know, on one level, he knows she's going to forget this the next day, that he's going to go through this loop and start all over again. On the other hand, because they did know he know, uh, you know each other outside the loop before this happened, maybe he feels like, he can actually start building something in, you know, just trying to bait, break up the monotony of every day in the same place. So maybe there is some, uh, you know, some sincerity in, in Phil and what he's trying to do here. And he's trying to make a connection. I mean, there's, you know, in terms of like who really knows this guy, who can he kind of connect to on that 
on another level, there's Rita, there's Larry, and there's Ned, you know, the, the people that knew Phil outside mm. of the, the loop. Um, <laughs> and of those three, I kind of, I'm, I agree, you know, if I had to spend eternity or close to it with one of those three people, nothing against, um, you know, n- nothing against Larry or, or Ned. They're, they're, they're great guys, but I would choose Rita as well. Yeah. And I, I think that that reminds me of something that's, that's been discussed about this film is like the, the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. And this puts him into the, the second stage, which is bargaining, where he's trying to find meaning in Rita. And I think that it also ties in a little bit to his denial. And that goes back just a, you know, two or three days or just a couple days where he was with Nancy and he kept saying Rita. And mm-hmm. personally, I think that that was really his first time where he thinks that maybe he actually does have feelings for Rita. But at the time, he's just like, well, who's that? He just brushes it off. And I think that's that was like kind of a combination of denial and then also a little bit of bargaining. But I think he was in denial with his feelings towards Rita. And I know you guys talked about how in, I think in the earlier version of the script, and I think also in the musical, it's mentioned at this point where he tries dating every single eligible bachelorette (laughs) in Punxsutawney. And I do think that that's alluded to in this movie, even though we just see Nancy and then the unnamed woman at Mm -hmm. Heidi too. Yeah, I definitely think, and, and um, um, uh, oh, Danny Rubin, sorry, I blanked on the screen for a moment. Um, yeah, and, 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 and I think Danny Rubin had, had either talked about or wrote about it that, yeah, Phil dates every eligible woman between 18 and 80 in Punxsutawney. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know what? There's probably a few men in there as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got time to, uh, experiment, you know, even if it's not, you know, if, not, if it's not your thing, that's fine, but hey, you don't know it's not at least you try you, you try it right yeah um yeah so he's kind of sowing his wild oats i guess you could say you know I, i'd like to think that there is also a little bit of denial and that his date with Dan, Nan, with nancy is probably not the only time that his thoughts turn to rita and mm-hmm. i think that that was you know him doing some avoidance just trying to avoid his own feelings for Rita. And then this is him in a way trying to explore those feelings for Rita, but he's also in a very conquest mindset. That's interesting. That's really, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what to make of, of him calling out Rita. Cause one thing I always think is like, like he doesn't really know Rita. I mean, at the end, <laughs> we're supposed to think this is a happy ending and a kind of a love story that they, they run away together, but, um, you know, I kind of think of, of people that, you know, the, the saying, the kind of Freakonomics and the 10,000 hours and, um, you know, it's the, it's 10,000 hours of study or practice that, that makes, you know, kind of makes you an expert. And the important thing, it's not just doing something for 10,000 hours, it's directed practice. It's doing it. It's figuring out, um, you know, figuring out what, where you're having trouble or once you master something, move to, you know, master something at a certain level, um, you know, move to another, uh, move to another layer and kind of continually challenge yourself. 
Um, I've also heard it in the professional world where they talk about you've got people that have five years of experience and people that have one year of experience that they've done five times. That isn't quite the same thing. And I think there's some of that with Phil where it's like, okay, maybe he spent a thousand days, 10,000 days. Who meant, you know, who knows how many days? And in another sense, well, no, he's only spent one day with Rita that he's done a thousand times or 10,000 times or, or so many times. So like, how well does he really know her? Can he really love her? And particularly early on, we're talking about these, the times where he's calling out Rita's name um, when he's with Nancy. Like, I don't know, because that, that kind of thing, when you hear about, you know, someone calling out someone else's name, usually it's an ex. Usually like you're married or you date for a long time and then you break up and you're with someone else and you call out your ex's name. And it's, you can see, well, okay, it's a habit. You're used to being with this one person in romantic or intimate situations. So there's one name that you'd always be saying where it's like Phil would never be kissing and say Rita and or making love or any of these other like he would never have been in that situation before and calling out her name. And on my count, that day was his fifth repetition. And and I feel like it actually was his fifth repetition because mm -hmm. things that happened at the end of the previous day were specifically meant referenced early in the next day. So it made sense, at least to me, that they did happen one after the other after the other. Mm -hmm. And it's, by my count, it's not until he robs the armored car that's when we have missing days. That would have been his fifth day of knowing Rita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the first time. I mean, depending on how how smooth an operator we think Phil is, and how susceptible Nancy is to suggestion, and how long we think that takes. Yeah, that may you know may have only been the the second day that he gets her up into the room, and then but like the bank heist where he like the gust of wind, the dog barking, you know, a car goes back. Like he knows everything down to the second where we get the where we there's a definite feeling that okay he's he's done this a lot more times than we're seeing he's he's he hasn't just been there once before to plan this out like he must have gone through a few times at least um to kind of plan that heist and everything so yeah so there's certainly a lot of days we don't see yeah my 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 personal guesstimation is i i gave it about 150 days mm -hmm. that includes time spent with other women before uh, at heidi too mm-hmm I think this is the, the perfect time to ask because I, I, I am curious that this is something that I'm keeping track of and mm -hmm. I'm curious what my guests think at this point in the movie, which is just the, the day after the, the bank robbery in Heidi two, how long do you think Phil's been stuck in groundhog day at this point? Yeah, that's really tough. And, and I kind of avoid it. You think it's, it's strange. Someone would, um, you know, would have a podcast where we did a hundred episodes, you know, covered it one minute at a time, do a hundred episodes talking about Groundhog Day. And we really didn't dive into how many days, how long the whole thing takes or, you know, how long it's been at, at particular moments. And, um, yeah, I think sometimes whenever you like, whenever you're looking at, at something in tiny detail, you do, you sometimes to miss the bigger picture. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, and there's 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 so many unknowns. I mean, we can and I'll, I will give an opinion. I, I will answer the question. Um, you know, the, there's so many assumptions, you know, people talking about that, that 10,000 hours to, uh, you know, gain proficiency. You know, people talk about, well, he learns French and he knows to play the piano. It's like, well, no, he recites one poem that's really lyrics to a song. So maybe he just listened to the record a bunch of times yeah. and, you know, memorized the song that Which way. Which we're not quite there yet, but here, yeah. just a couple, couple more episodes. Yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> ahead of us a little bit. So it's like, did he really learn French? Um, you know, does he really know how to play the piano? We see him play basically two songs mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that he, that he plays are parts of two songs. So it's like, uh, can you, you know, and you have to learn somewhat just to learn a song, but uh, that doesn't necessarily make him an all around expert on the piano. So at this point, you know, but we, we've seen the bank heist. Um, presumably he's gone through um, like, I, yeah, I believe it was Danny Rubin who said he, you know, he he dated all the eligible women in town from from 18 to 80. Um, but we also know like Phil can plan out a day when we see that perfect day at the end where he's like, you know, changing a tire and performing the Heimlich and catching a kid. You know, he's I, I don't imagine he's talking to one woman, finding out where she went to high school and then going back to his room for the rest of the day. Like he can go through a crowd and and chat up a different. Uh, you know, a bunch of different people and then hit the library and study French for a little bit and practice a little bit piano and then grab the chainsaw and, and hit the ice. Like, you know, he can plan out a day and, and, and do a lot of different things. So you can't say, well, he, he seduced a hundred women and, and each of them took 10 days and therefore that's a thousand days. So uh, it's, it's not quite that simple. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of unknowns that we have to kind of fill in. That actually brings up a point too that I I also don't think was mentioned before is that if you think about it, he really has almost 24 hours in his day mm-hmm. because his body completely resets then at 6 a.m. to where he wakes up with supposedly, you know, a full rested night of sleep. So he could actually stay up all day doing whatever he needs to plan. And right. not have to worry about sleep either. Yeah. So at this point, so it's still, it's still relatively early. So what has he done? He's done a bank heist. He seduced a bunch of women. Um, and he said that he's seen Heidi too, a hundred, over a hundred times. And then, yeah. And I, yeah. And that I, was I, just, yes, yesterday. Yeah. And I, I think there's like, there's some hints and there's some things that are really like, they're kind they're funny lines where the people in the, in the, the film, like the characters may think he's kidding or he's, um, you know, being hyperbolic, but we can kind of take it literally. He talks mm-hmm. about, yeah, how many times has he seen Heidi or how many, you know, how long does it take before you become an expert at, at tossing a, a playing card into a hat and, and, you know, things like that, you know, that, it, you know, so he does gives us some hints. Um, I, I'm thinking at this point, it's probably on the order of a thousand days. So I'm I'm thinking like like two and a half three years, um, in that range. Okay. Yeah, just trying to and and that you know I'm, I'm presuming again that he's gone through he's tried to or he seduced uh, you know every every eligible person in town that he could. I'm trying to think. I, well, I'm assuming that or thinking that even if he can kind of talk to multiple people and gathering information during the day that he probably only has one date a night. I'm going to, 
I like to think the best of Phil. I, I'm <laughs> hoping he's not the kind of guy who's like, well, I've got, you know, I've got dinner with, with Nancy at eight and then at 10, um, I'm going to see Susan and then, there's uh there's Betty that's working the late shift at the diner. She gets off at midnight and then I'm going, you know, I'm thinking, OK, at least the evening hours, it's only one uh, one hookup. But like, but yeah, like you said, he's got the 24 hours and he's not going anywhere. So who knows? But I'm thinking it's it's a few years. It's enough that he's he's comfortable. He's calmed down. He's kind of relaxed. He can have this chit chat with with Rita that feel feels kind of natural. You know, he, he hasn't hit the, the depression stage yet, um, and he certainly hasn't gone through to, you know, the state we get at the end. So that'd be my guess. Yeah, two and a half, three years, um, probably like, you know, the high triple digits in terms of, of days of loops that he's been through. I can I can definitely see that. And then the conversation does move into the diner. And mm-hmm. something that I noticed is we do see some clocks in the diner. Which mm-hmm. gives us a, uh, a time period, even though there are three clocks there, and two of the clocks say 11:30, and this is the third time he's been there, and they they've said 11:30 the two previous times, but this time I was actually able to see at least a bit of the upper clock, mm-hmm. and the hour hand is at four, and you can't you can't quite see the yeah. minute hand. But I, I personally, I think it would be interesting if the minute hand was at four. So, so it was four oh four, which is the same time that was just a uh, back in day two. Yeah, and I don't know if those clocks have are those functioning. Are they just decorative? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But... I, like I, my personal guess is that the bottom two clocks were purposefully set at eleven thirty by the filmmakers, mm-hmm. and then. They didn't think that the top clock would be on screen, so I think the top clock may be what the actual time is mm-hmm. when they were filming. <laughs> okay, yeah, I like that. I like that because it is a little bit later. So at this point, he, you know, he's doing the the broadcast. He, I think he's, he's got past the point where he's blowing it off. So he's like doing the the broadcast. We see him, you know, in front of the camera saying, "Does Phil feel lucky?" Then going back to the the truck with Rita, I guess you know, boom, you know, um, sending the you know sending the video by satellite back to the station in Pittsburgh, and then over the diner for uh, coffee and a donut. Although I guess it's um, is it like six thirty seven a.m. that the uh, seven, I think it's like seven thirty four a.m. is whenever the groundhog comes out. Yeah, the actual groundhog thing. So yeah, so then it it would be you know st- it could still be late morning, but around eleven thirty. That sounds right. Perfect time for to, to get philosophical with Rita and and her life. Of course, you know Phil removes the. Uh, I, I looked it up and I'm pretty sure it's the distributor cap that he takes off of the van. And I'm not like a, a super car guy, but I believe that what the distrib- what the distributor cap actually does is it controls the timing of the firing of the spark plugs in the engine. Mm-hmm. So. Removing that would effectively disable the, the vehicle pretty well. And I also noticed this this woman recognizes Phil Connors, and she's excited that it's Phil Connors, and she's holding a camera, like an actual camera, but she doesn't ask to take a picture. <laughs> but she doesn't ask to take a picture. Well, this you know this is back in the day of film, 
you know, I think this is before digital cameras. So, you know, you wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily waste a, you know, use some film on something unless you were really sure you wanted it. So, I mean, he's, she, she likes, she recognizes Phil, but he's just a weatherman. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I didn't, I never thought of it like that. <laughs> she sees him, but, uh, but doesn't take the picture. Yeah. But this is interesting going back to what you're saying about the, well, what you were saying about Phil having 24 hours and, and, and me saying about him planning his day where he's like, so he's, he's, he's gotten to the point where he's got a definite agenda of what he wants to do. And he's kind of planned things out and he realizes I don't have time to drive out to the sticks and get snowed in and see the road is closed and turn around and come back to town that he's got like a schedule he wants to keep mm-hmm. where he's like, okay, you know, I, 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 he, you know, he's, he's, um, he's shaping the day, you know, he's saying, okay, I want, you know, I want to make sure I've got time for these things and not these other things. So um, yeah, so let's kill the van. We'll just skip, skip the ride. Of course, I mean, eventually he hits the point where he's just like, I'm not going, you know, he just tells Larry, I'm not going. He, 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 I guess he probably gets tired of, he probably realizes, well, this is, you know, five minutes of, of messing with the van. Or I could just take one minute and tell Larry, I'm not going with him. Um, but yeah, so he's, yeah, he's disabling the van. I know nothing <laughs> about cars. So yeah, sure. Distributor, spark plugs firing. And there were just a couple other, um, little details in the background that I noticed that, that I wanted to at least mention. There is, whenever he walks into the hotel bar, we do get to see the sign for the Groundhog Day banquet provided mm-hmm. by the inner circle at the Pennsylvania Hotel Ballroom. Yeah. Uh, but 7 p.m. till midnight, I think, or 7 to 11. Yeah, I, I couldn't make out the, uh, the time on, on my copy. But, yeah, I, I was just able to, to see the rest of it. And then also, right behind Rita, there's a uh, a couple of photos of Groundhog Beauty Queens. <laughs> and I was curious, and I was trying to, to look up to see if, if like, Groundhog Day beauty pageants was a thing, but I, I couldn't find a single thing. I, I did actually find, and, and I won't go into it um, now, but... I did actually start to look into the archives of the Punxsutawney spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, a scan from 1887 and then 1911 are the two earliest ones that have something to, to mention about Groundhog Day. And the 1887, it just says that today is a Groundhog Day, but as of going to press, the... Uh, we don't know if the beast has seen its shadow. That's the only <laughs> thing that it has to say about Groundhog Day All right. in 1887. And then 1911 has a, a big long article, but I, I'm going to save that one for later. All right. Yeah, we can we can save that for later. Um, yeah, and we get our introduction to this bartender. Yeah. Who we will see over and over again, like many of the denizens of Punxsutawney, but... Um, he doesn't get a lot of lines. It's not a big part, but I think it's, I think it's an important part. Um, we'll, we'll see him a couple more times. We'll spend some time in the bar with our, uh, sweet vermouth with a twist. Yeah. He gets a lot of, you know, head shaking acting. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that, that's all I have for, for today's loop. Uh, was there anything else that, that you had? 
No, I think that's it. I got, I got, I got some other things, but uh, you know, I'll save it. I'll, I, I hope I'm not spoiling it for the the listener to say I will be coming back for <laughs> uh, for the next loop. So um, I'll, I'll save some for uh, for next time. How about that? Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I, I'd like to thank you for joining me today, and I look forward to talk to you tomorrow on the next Groundhog Day. But why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where else you can be found online? Uh, sure. Well, as you, you said in your introduction, uh, my current podcast is uh, Next Scene. Uh, we're at nextscenepod.com, and that's a show I do with my brother where we uh, we take on pop culture one scene at a time. Uh, it's it's mostly movies, but we do a little bit of TV. We've done music. We do some other things. But you know, we'll take you know like one one episode of a TV show or one scene from a movie, and yeah, we talk about it. And then uh, then for the next episode, we're on to the next scene, and that's why we call that Next Scene Podcast. All right, and as always, I'm Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and MovieNights.com where I have written reviews for over 500 different superhero and comic book movies. And you can find It's Time to Rewind on Anchor.fm and anywhere else you can find uh, podcasts. And you know, in the, until the next Groundhog Day, I, you know, am I feeling lucky? And, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> hopefully by the end of this podcast, I will have repeated this this day enough times that to come up with a good <laughs> uh, ending tagline. <laughs> I'm a god. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? I'm a god. There wasn't one today. I'm just trying to talk like normal people talk. Isn't this how they talk? Plus.